Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Love is Everywhere the podcast, the show where I give comedians, usually, assignments of things that are supposed to make you happier and then we talk about it and we find out how it went. Today's guest uh, is our very first musician. I am so excited to have tall poppy herself, Joss McNeil, on the show today. Joss is just one of my favorite people in the entire world, literally since before this podcast started uh, however many episodes ago. I had always intended on having her on and was very much looking forward to when that would happen. And she just released her first single. Uh, and I'm so excited to have her on to promote that. So go look her up. Go open your Spotify app. Well, you probably already have it open. You're listening to a podcast right now. Hey, that, that window's easy to access. Go take a look in there. Look up Tall Poppy. Uh, her single is called Night of Cups. So go check that out. Give it a listen. She's got a beautiful voice like a sweet, sweet angel. Her assignment was about self-compassion and just recognizing that you're not flawed in any terrible, broken way. You're just human. Most of the time when you're making a big judgment about yourself, it's not actually a big deal. Uh, it's just you being a human person and then you having some kind of terrible reaction to that. So <laughs> this is about trying to deal with that, rein that reaction back, recognize that you're just a person and you're doing your best. Um, if you want to support uh, this podcast in general, you can like, rate, and subscribe. You can follow me on social media at, at Hamiltrace, and you can go follow Tall Poppy on Instagram at Tall Pops, T-A-L-L-P-O-P-P-Z, and go check out on Spotify, please, please, please. Please look up her song. It's fantastic. Night of Cups, Tall Poppy. And in the meantime, please enjoy this conversation with Tall Poppy, Joss McNeil. Joss McNeil. Tracy. I am so happy to have you on today. I'm so happy that all the dogs in your neighborhood could hear how high my voice got with the excitement <laughs> of seeing your face. How are you? It's so good to see you. Yeah, we we start with an honest how are you. My honest how Jump are you again. is very loaded. I <laughs> feel Tell like me. if I were to give it true honest how are you it would take up the whole episode so I'll try to keep it succinct <laughs> got it got it okay <laughs> um but uh lots going on right now I was recently diagnosed with ADHD oh that's all you wanted to save your reaction <laughs> yeah we were just very briefly usually I just go right into the recording yeah. on on the zoom call but I gave you the grace of having a minute before and we were the topic of ADHD came up and I was like, I got to shut my mouth because <laughs> I'm going to share that's so much to talk about. Wow. That's, that's pretty huge. It's pretty How do you huge. Feel? I feel excellent. I feel that is good. Really, really excellent. <laughs> Did it like click some things into place for you? Like where you kind of like, Oh, that makes sense. So much, so much. Yeah. Like yeah, I've been told before that I should probably see a doctor and find out if I have ADHD from <laughs> friends of mine who have ADHD right. and are, are medicated for it. Yeah. I've had people from like years back be like, you definitely have ADHD. Like when I'm describing the way that I process things or, yeah. you know, like <clears throat> describing the world <laughs> inside my head, they're like, that's ADHD. That's what you're describing as ADHD. And I was always like, I don't know like maybe I guess yeah. and then I found out that my father has ADHD yeah and I was like oh uh I don't know maybe. like <laughs> maybe and but I uh, I wish at the time uh no I I don't believe in regret so I don't wish that I've ever done anything differently because I did the best I could at any point but yeah uh yeah I wish that I had like researched it a little more because I realized mm -hmm. that some of the things that I've been telling myself were reasons that I did not have ADHD. Turns out those are actually symptoms of ADHD. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I have a question about that. Can you recall 
like, and maybe this leads into what you were just talking about, but can you recall like moments in that people like specific, what you were saying that people were like, yeah, that is ADHD. Do you remember like the way that it was described to you? Why they thought that Mm. or, or just like what a good example of like your ADHD manifesting itself. Yeah. Okay. A good example would be to start with the things that I thought were the antithesis of ADHD. Tell me. <laughs> where I was like, oh, I don't think so because like, yeah, I like I procrastinate and I have trouble focusing and I have some like memory fog, like brain stuff and things like that. But sometimes I can really focus, like super <laughs> focus on something and I'll just lose hours in it. And I'm completely, it's all consuming. I have 100% super focus. And that's and then, why I don't have ADHD. And that's why I don't have ADHD. And then looking it up, I was like, oh, that's called hyperfocus. And that's, Literally. A, <laughs> that's a symptom. So funny. Oh my God. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but. No, it's very we funny. Were, we were watching, uh, we were watching the Matrix. Have you watched Matrix? Okay, major yes. spoiler. I live on this planet. I've seen the Matrix. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I had not. I had not. It's like, I'm very behind on my iconic 90s films, but. I we were watching it for the first time I was watching it with Sarah and there's this moment where she's like you are not the chosen one and then a little bit later I in the movie I was like you know I think he is the chosen one (laughs) just like kind of like very like obviously yes this is where this is headed and I from the second that you started to say like oh I procrastinate I was like I know exactly where this is going yeah isn't that kind of like a cool superpower of ADHD though it is though actually and like it ain't consistent many things that I have that I would consider superpowers I think are a result of my ADHD like Mm -hmm. I am very good at multitasking if there's a million different things going on at once I am very good at managing that the part where it uh it turns is when there's not that much going on it is very hard for me to focus I okay I figured out I was explaining this to my partner and I think that I figured out the way to describe what it's like in my brain Mm -hmm. you know when you go into like a department store or Best Buy and there's like a wall of televisions they're all playing the same movie yes so in my brain, it's like they're all playing different movies and the volume is on on all the televisions. Yeah. So if whatever like whatever thing I am supposed to be focusing on is one of the movies, I'm trying mm. to watch just that movie, but there's 40 other movies playing at the yeah. same volume at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so now I have a medication. <laughs> <laughs> Which so what I, are you, what I are also, taking? I'm taking Concerta. It's sort of nice! like, Yo, thank you. Yeah. Please. It's sort of like time release Ritalin from my understanding. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't turn off. It doesn't turn all the television to the same channel, but it turns off a couple and like turns down the volume on some others. So it makes yeah. it much easier for me to pay attention to the movie I want. Also, I didn't know that you don't have to take ADHD medication daily, that you can just take it when you need to. I also did not know that. Yeah. This is a thing. Cause I was telling my doctor, I was like, I think it's worth me getting the diagnosis so that I know and can like, you know, use my brain effectively and stuff, but I don't want to be on medication every day. And she was like, you don't have to take it every day. You could just take it like when you have a day where you need to. Yeah. I was going to say too, with Concerta, because I was taking Concerta every day when I was taking it, but I found that taking it consistently every day by the end of the week, it was really affecting my anxiety level. Mm -hmm. It is something, it is, that is one of those drugs that you can kind of yeah, that's so interesting. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's so cool. So uh, yeah, wow. it's been like in to put it in terms of like the content of this podcast, reading about it and uh, like the research that I've done now since I got the diagnosis. It's uh, it was like a a radical wave of self compassion. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like reading this list of things and being like, oh, I'm not broken. I'm not defective. I'm just different. And uh, this is how my brain works. But yeah, it was just like, uh, and uh, reading about how it presents in women in particular. Mm -hmm. Incredibly underdiagnosed in women too. Oh, for sure. And that's just about the like medical bias of like men as default. So we only we create symptom lists based on how it presents in men. We create treatment plans based on what treats men. 
And then we just expect that women will fall into the same thing. But particularly with children, with boys with ADHD, they get diagnosed because they're bothering other people, right? So true. They get diagnosed so because they're true. distracting others because they yeah. their hyperactivity is more outward. With mm-hmm. girls with ADHD, it's more inward. So uh, girls with ADHD are more just like head in the clouds, always yeah. daydreaming. Yeah, You know, they aren't like, for me, I wasn't disturbing anybody else in the class, but I wasn't getting anything done. Totally. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was the other girl. I was the girl who was like head off in the clouds, like staring at the window. And I, I remember so like clearly the leading up to getting diagnosed because I was constantly just getting pulled out of these like deep daydreams mm-hmm. by like, you know, this vicious teacher, like just being like, pay attention. Um, and it being like really traumatic, the swinging back and forth. And still sometimes when like I, when someone's just like, are you listening? Like I get that kind of like, and that happens all the time before Mm -hmm. people find the right meds for them. For sure. (laughs) And uh, I didn't realize also that a symptom of ADHD is rejection sensitivity. Totally. Totally. People with ADHD (laughs) are super sensitive to rejection. Uh, which is yeah. in part because of the way their brains are wired and then in part because of the effect that it has on us socializing as children that yeah. if you're a child with ADHD you're often told like that you're annoying and you're too mm-hmm. much yeah and you like you're a bother to everybody and so you become you internalize that stuff it affects your mm-hmm. self-esteem and then you become very sensitive to being rejected and of course that makes tons of sense <laughs> totally I'm like a walking piece of sensitivity oh yeah yeah. we both are so now I'm a soft blanket being carried from place to place by a pair of human legs (laughs) I feel like now what it'll let me do is have a more of a separation between me and that feeling like I'll buy into less of my own bullshit yeah totally that if I'm like oh I'm sensitive that maybe that person does like me I'm like is that real or is that just your ADHD yeah (laughs) And when you're talking about like waves of self-compassion, it's like that shit is possible. I yes. almost, my God, literally had the moment where I hear everyone have on your podcast where like, am I allowed to swear on this thing? <laughs> Every time. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. So that's how I am. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> how are you for real? How am I for real? I am pretty, pretty good today. Uh, we were talking before, like I just started medication mm-hmm. very, very recently um, for the first time in like, uh, I want to say four years. The last time I was on medication, I was on bupropion and it mm-hmm. just did absolutely. Ooh, I've been on bupropion. bupropion. And well, Butrin too, right? <laughs> yeah, We've yeah, done yeah. that before. We've had a lot of similar meds. <laughs> Let's get together and talk pills sometimes. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so I started on Stratera, which is primarily treats ADHD, but also treats anxiety. And just mm-hmm. like, it feels really good to be like moving in this direction. I've had for a really long time, this like build up in my mind of like, well, you know, I would rather just do my talk therapy and like learn about more mm-hmm. tools on like how to treat the ADHD. But it's like, I have gotten to a point where my anxiety level is so high that it's, I have never experienced anxiety like this in my life. And a lot of it is like, you know. Yeah, a lot of it is reasonable, of course, context. Yeah, context is gonna have a major There is a pandemic and I do live on this planet. Yes. (laughs) Um, But it's just like, it's it's been really like, like moments of like, wow, this is like, this is what, every day is looking like and I'm kind of just like it's not until I'm around other people and I like Mm -hmm. you know kind of notice the oh yeah I guess you like don't maybe it's like not the best response to like getting an invite to plans that you have like a full-on panic attack like isn't it funny how that stuff shows up so much more in your interactions which is maybe part of why when we get into a place with our mental health where we feel like that uh the tendency is for a lot of people to isolate yeah right to not reach out because that's when you notice it the most it's sort of like uh if you're sitting at a bar and you don't realize how drunk you are until you stand up 
Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that happens to me all the time too. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the being like in a place where I am like, no, I just deserve to not feel like it's, yes. it's not like getting out of the kind of cycle of like, you're making it a big deal and everyone's going through it. Like kind of like stepping out of that stream. And honestly, like, I, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here and talk about the assignment too early, but like in the past couple of weeks of having this assignment of like, just labeling. So I guess at this, yeah, yeah. So let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get into your assignment. So the assignment that I gave you was that, uh, any time in, since I gave you the assignment, if you hear yourself making a negative judgment of yourself. So I think the examples I gave you were like, I'm so lazy. Mm -hmm. That was so stupid of me to replace the negative judgment word with the word human. Mm -hmm. So I'm so lazy becomes I'm so human. Yeah. And, uh, that was so stupid of me becomes that was so human of me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, continue. Like, I can't, it's, it's like, it's wild what that does just to like interrupt the, mm -hmm. the kind of, um, the loop. Yeah. The loop. I, there's like, there's a word that I like, kind of like the funnel, mm -hmm. the, like my anxiety very much feels like a funnel that I'm constantly swirling within. And it's like, I keep coming back to that point and I'm like, am I going to fall through the hole? I don't know. Yeah. It's like, that's really the feel that how it has presented for me in the last couple months. Um, and finding ways to interrupt that. This one specifically though, was such a great, I didn't expect that it was gonna also make me realize like, not am I, not is that just like, not only is that just a human reaction that I'm having, lots of people have it. Yeah. There are people who are having it right now with you. Mm -hmm. Like it made me feel really connected to like the human race, which I was That's not beautiful. Really expecting and kind of just having this like, you know, kind of new perspective of like, that's all this is. That's yeah. all any of this is. It's just it's me just, being human. It's just us all kind of like being in these meat cages mm -hmm. that are human bodies and human minds and human emotions and human hormones. And they're all just kind of, we're all just reacting together. And that's just like what it is. Yeah. And there's something like really freeing about that. Absolutely. Just knowing that like, cause I think that another symptom of ADHD or at least like something that I've noticed is like a lot of like black and white thinking mm -hmm. that's common in like, be like a lot of people, but just like specifically with ADHD is like, you know, if it's not this, it's that, like it has to be that. And you just, it, it's hard to like, hold two contrasting ideas at once. Um, and yeah, uh, I just completely lost my dream. <laughs> <laughs> just call this the ADHD episode. <laughs> Don't call it anything else. You could, yeah, you couldn't have finished that thought any better than to have just lost the trail completely. Uh, <laughs> One thing I was thinking about before too, in just like another exercise that's great, like the human exercise is, and it, we talked about this recently is big mouth brought mm -hmm. it to our minds is like in the, your moments of panic is like, just literally naming things that you're grateful for Yes, and being gratitudes about it. It's like become like a very sweet tradition. in in one of my group chats with some of my girlfriends here that like every day we just send a voice note to each other. That's like, this is what I'm gratitude for. And it's like, mm -hmm. the examples are like, you know, just wild sometimes. Like I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, just the fact that I have water in my eyes and they're not like totally dry. <laughs> and I'm grateful for like, you know, having goldfish in the cabinet. Like it's just, it yeah. literally all it's doing is like interrupting that cycle and taking you out of that and having a little perspective of like, there is good, there is bad, both is true. We're living. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a big thing to be able to embrace the gray areas mm -hmm. that like, oh God, I can't remember where I was reading about this, but the somebody, oh God, I, this is the problem with this podcast. I have all of these great sources and I never fucking credit any of them. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> but this is saying like the goal 
in doing this kind of work on yourself and trying to, you know, rewire your brain a bit and create more joy and happiness in your life is not to be happy all of the time. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal. Um, happy is an extreme, right? So like if yeah. emotions are a, a spectrum, happiness is an extreme on the spectrum. You're not looking to live on an extreme all the time. Totally. What you want is to be in the middle of the spectrum at peace. That's what you're going for. That's the goal. The goal isn't joy and euphoria every day. The goal is just a sense of calm and peace. Yeah. So uh, I think what we do is because it is so difficult to see gray, we think I should be happy. Mm -hmm. I should be happy. Have you met a person though who's just like happy like 24 seven? You know what? I like, I think that people who anybody that you're seeing that you judge as being that way that that's not true of them either Interesting. Um, no one no person is happy all of the time it to live in the extreme of happiness all of the time mm. would just to be manic yeah <laughs> that's what that would be that's not healthy either that was kind of where I was going it's yeah like, that's just I don't mania know if that's such a good thing <laughs> <laughs> that's just mania like, um, <laughs> 24-7 happiness has a different definition. <laughs> yes. I think also that would be um, not even the, how do I put this? Not even the most beautiful way of experiencing the world. Yeah. That th- there is beauty in all places on that spectrum of emotion. Yeah. Um, and that the goal is not to control where on the spectrum you are at any point. Because you're going, you're no matter what kind of life you have, even if you have a beautiful and very privileged life, you will still experience suffering over your life and loss and grief Mm -hmm. and, and hardship and struggle that will happen to every human uh, indefinitely forever. That's just part of being human. The goal is not to remove suffering. The goal is to be at peace with everything. And uh, that's a big, (laughs) it's a big task. (laughs) <laughs> but, but the goal is not to be happy always that is not a reasonable expectation of a human mind yeah the goal would definitely be to experience more of that and to let that in a little more and our brains are wired in a way where we have a negative confirmation bias where we're mm-hmm. because we our brains are old that's the best advice that i can give everybody for forget like forgiving all of the nasty things that their brains do to them. Your brain was designed like a really fucking long time ago, you know? <laughs> like our brains stopped changing at, and like we stopped evolving at the point where it didn't get in the way of us getting laid anymore. That's how evolution works, right? <laughs> the, the genes that survive are the, the ones that belong to the creature that's able to have a baby. Oh my God, so, that's so true. Once it, our neuroses and all of that stuff stopped getting in the way of us not having babies, then it was fine and that part just continued right. and it was never weeded out. So our brains are old. Our brains are wired to be surviving in a very um, chaotic, wild yeah. environment. Like if you've ever watched like National Geographic or Planet Earth and you're just like, <laughs> man, I didn't expect this to be so dark. There's danger everywhere, <laughs> you know? Totally. So our brains are designed with that negative confirmation bias for a reason. That's to keep us safe right? Because totally. it doesn't keep us surviving to be like, what a pretty tree. That doesn't yeah. make you more likely to have a baby. But you yeah. being like, there's a fucking bear over there, better run. That yeah. will make you more likely to have a baby. Yeah. So going back to the human yeah. assignment, like that was another thing that kind of like started to click for me was like, oh yeah. And I've heard it a million times like that, you know, and all anxiety is, is just like your flight and flight, fight or flight response. Mm-hmm going into overdrive, but it is important context to be like, no, we were designed for that. Yeah. We were designed for that. And like the subject matter has just changed. So yeah, it does sometimes feel like you're dying when you have to go outside, but it's like, there are, that that is your body technically doing its job in that moment. Yeah. And that's why you have to like, that's why have compassion for yourself. (laughs) This, like this self-love thing is a total package deal. right you got to love even that annoying part because it is trying to do something good for you it's trying to keep you safe and stuff and 
like it sounds really like whatever uh whatever you're a person who listens to this podcast you can handle it but it helps to like talk to that part for a second and just be like thank you for being here yeah um I understand that this is the purpose that you're trying to serve right now you're trying to protect me from this thing whether that's like danger embarrassment whatever it is um but like we're good yeah and then just reminding yourself like we're safe right now naming what? that part of you as a protector is I think mm. almost like validation for the beast yes <laughs> and it's like yeah. it just wants to be heard so sometimes totally. if it's like you just let it like let it say what it wants and then say like okay thank you for your input yeah uh like we're good here then it's like oh okay like totally. at least you listened yeah totally there was a really like uh there was a really great like Instagram tile I follow a lot of like my therapist says Mm -hmm. not related but what's your sign (laughs) podcast like just any meme that's like talking about like self-love and like explaining uh Mm -hmm. shit on like a big level like that um there was this one that was like the pro like the breaking down the process of experiencing pain or just bad feelings Mm -hmm. and it's like the feeling enters your body and then you welcome that feeling and like, you're welcome here. And like the alternative is like you resist and it's like, it starts over. It just keeps starting over. But like, once you welcome that feeling into you, like allowing your body to re- like relax, experience the sensations, like it just kind of moves through you. It's really like the resistance that keeps that you stuck, that mm-hmm. keeps you stuck. And it's like, that's really important to recognize that like, you can't, I think for people like I, I say it to I need to say it to myself more like in those moments of panic is like you still have to get to the other side of this you know yes. like you can like you can see to the other side or just like make yourself see just because there it is there like it's it's the feeling of panic and pain that makes you that like clouds it for you but like it's there Tell absolutely other- resisting your emotions does you no good yeah. and I like of course relate to that and Mm -hmm. know what it's like to be feeling an emotion that like we'll call like a negative emotion even though all emotions are just neutral um it's what you do with them that is good or bad that is a pretty radical statement that I like to hear from you (laughs) yeah that is a true thing emotions are neutral like it's not bad to be angry totally Uh, it's bad to take your anger out on another person totally right um, but all feelings are neutral, but if you were to have them in what we'll call like the negative side of emotion, m- emotions that are unpleasant mm-hmm. and you resist them because they feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Right. And those are the emotions that we aren't really taught what to do with, especially as children. Totally. Um, those are the emotions that are unwelcome to the adults who are taking care of us. And so yeah. we're never really taught how to work through them. Um, so, which is why so many people have issues with anger, but that's a whole mm-hmm. topic for another day. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but make today the day <laughs> when we're having a big emotion, it feels like it's going to swallow us. Yeah. And that's why we resist because we feel like we won't survive the emotional experience of truly feeling it. Mm. Um, this is particularly true with things like anger and with grief that we feel like it's a whole and we're just, if we let ourselves go in the top of the hole we're just gonna fall straight to the bottom and then we're gonna be trapped there and what helps is to realize that it is not a whole it's a circle Mm -hmm. all emotional experiences the way that they are experienced in your body it is a circle Mm -hmm. so you start in one at one point and then it ramps up and then it gets to its most extreme point and then it starts to come back down again and then you Mm -hmm. go back to neutral and you have to let it complete the circle because if you cut it off when you're up at the top and it's feeling the most extreme it doesn't resolve yeah and your body needs to resolve the emotion I've talked about Mm -hmm. this before on the podcast and I know that I've talked about it with you just in our talks because this is just how we talk (laughs) Um, (laughs) our relationship is a podcast (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) but yeah that's a that's an old brain wiring thing as well that you're your brain just responds to everything like it's a bear. And so <laughs> your your brain feels a thing and it's like, ah, bear. And then and then your brain wants to do something about the bear 
Yeah. Right. The image that I just got is like people being out of the world, just absolutely panicked because everything they think everything is a is bear. Bears. A bear. Yeah. <laughs> like just. Yeah. If you were to, a bear. <laughs> if if you were to animate the way that feeling these kind of like feeling something like anxiety, especially yeah. where it's thinks everything's a bear. Yeah, it would be your whole world is bears. You're just surrounded by bears all the time. Constant bears, nothing but bears. Bears and ties, bears. bears and suits. Bears all over the place. <laughs> There's bears waiting for the bus. Yep. There's bear who does not have the right amount of change. <laughs> yep. They never do. They bears. never do. Not bears. Not bears. They don't have pockets. Real, That's the problem. Real quick, alternate podcast recommendation is, uh, oh, damn it. Okay, it's on Radio Lab, but it's like I think it's called Bad Bad News Bears. Maybe it's just called Bad News Bears. Okay. But it's an episode where the assignment that the journalists had was either Breaking Bad News Bears. That's the title of the episode. Breaking Bad News Bears from Radio Lab. The title of the or the assignment is that they had to go out and find a story that is a be- like a breaking news story like that week, like absolute breaking news mm-hmm. or bears. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so good. There's this guy who like hooks up a, a radio to his peach tree and plays podcast 24 seven. So this bear doesn't come and like eat all of his peaches. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's such a good, it's such a good podcast. Uh, so is this one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Jumping back in. Um, what but were we talking about? We were talking about letting your emotions run their course. Like yeah. just feeling the thing. Cause yeah, yeah. otherwise it gets stuck. And then it comes up in all kinds of other ways. This is something that I'm like very much working on right now. Yeah. Um, that like that is kind of the the main focus right now is like experiencing the things that never got felt. Uh, letting myself go into these emotions that I had to cut off because I had to move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and man, does it help? Yeah, <laughs> really I was going to say like, what are your findings like what what do you find that there's a lot in there yeah totally I've been shutting things down for a really long time probably since like I mean since childhood yeah I was gonna say in our talks we've had pretty similar childhoods in a lot of ways but I feel like one one thing that really stands out is the inability to experience something like to Mm -hmm. be allowed to go to the extent of how like how a negative emotion yes can go I uh uh I'm trying to like balance in my brain how much is appropriate to share because I know yeah (laughs) if it were just you and me you know no offense (laughs) to the listeners but I might (laughs) get into a little more personal or or a little more details about my therapy that kind of thing um so what is it what is appropriate to share right now I keep forgetting that we're not just hanging out and I what's reminding me is the little like recording stuff I'm like oh right right all of this is being taped right this is for a show this is a peek right. inside of our right, friendship right, 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 right. but in uh oh god what was I gonna say therapy kind of looking feeling- into oh right that um for me I think a lot of it has to do with having a lack of support mm. that, um, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Like I was saying, like it, uh, our, most people's parents don't really teach them how to navigate their emotional landscape mm-hmm. in the healthiest way, which is no, to be fair, I'm not faulting the parents. Totally. All, I believe like the thing with your parents is they were doing the best that they could with the tools with that they, they had, had. Yeah, exactly. and with their, like their own history and their own traumas and their own mental health and whatever it was, they were doing the best that they could. Um, but if you're a child and you're experiencing this big emotion that feels like a hole mm-hmm. and you don't realize that it's actually a circle and there's nobody there to help you with it. Mm-hmm. then you're going to push it down because you're like, if it swallows me, there's nobody here to help. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. So now I'm trying to be like, but I'm here to help. <laughs> is, I'm doing a lot of like inner child work stuff, totally. which is really hard. <laughs> I got a great piece of advice one time from my friend, Brayden Alexander. Shout Ooh. out to Brayden Alexander. Um, where like how in, in navigating fear and panic 
or just having really intrusive, like self-deprecating thoughts, Mm -hmm. picturing that as a child version of you running up to you and just throwing their arms around you um, and being like, I'm scared, like, blah, 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 blah. Everybody mm-hmm. hates me because my hair looks like a cocker spaniel. Like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And then just, uh, like, you know, taking that moment to just pet their head and be like, it's okay because mm-hmm. I'm here and I'm going to take care of you and it's going to be okay and we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. I think about that image constantly. It is super helpful. And that's like one of the go-to things in like any kind of inner child work Mm -hmm. is when you're feeling a thing, it's usually an older version of you feeling that thing. Old programming. Yeah. Yeah. This is usually like a young version of yourself that is feeling this emotion. And so it helps to try and pinpoint like what age do I feel right now? Yeah. Um, and then figuring out like, what do I need? Or like, what did I need then? And then figuring out a way to give it to yourself now. Um, I think that, and this is the version. Wait, can you hit me with those one more time? Finding your age first. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so. We had another. It's okay. We've got some technical difficulties. So <laughs> uh, when you're feeling a thing, ask yourself, how old do I feel right now? Okay. It'll usually be pretty clear. If you really think about it, it'll right, usually, it's probably triggering like a memory or it's something. probably triggering a thing where you're like, Oh, I feel eight. Right. I feel like I'm eight or, okay. Oh, I feel like I'm 16. That's how I feel. I feel like a teenager. And, uh, so you identify the age and then you ask yourself, what did I need then? Like, what did I need when I was 16 right. that I wasn't getting that made me feel this way? Right. And then you figure out a way to meet that need for yourself now. Yeah. So the idea is that you're sort of uh, reparenting yourself as your adult self. Wow. Uh, Yo, that is such a jewel for the toolkit. It's a, it's a jewel a, tool. It's pretty good. It's, it's challenging. For me, I think uh, it's difficult a lot of the time for me uh, to use the image of myself as a younger person to try and figure out what to do about something. So I modified it recently in a way that has been really helpful, uh, where instead of imagining that it's a younger version of myself having this problem, fear, anxiety, whatever it is, I imagine instead that it's, because I think the, the issue is that I'm still not quite good enough at being totally kind and totally compassionate towards myself that there's still a little judgment of what I could have done better or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what I do instead is I imagine it's my daughter. I imagine that I have a daughter and my, my daughter has this problem, anxiety, fear, whatever it is. And then I imagine what would I say to my daughter about that? Oh, that's really beautiful. So uh, because I, I have noticed that when I do it for my younger self, uh, I am less gentle than Mm -hmm. if I imagine that it's my daughter. Wow. If I imagine it's my daughter, I am totally kind to her, totally compassionate, totally forgiving. Yeah. Uh, So my own biases against myself don't get in the way as much. Yeah. So things like whatever it was, like if I'm like, oh, so many dishes, I have to do those dishes and I haven't done the dishes and I really don't want to do the dishes. Something simple like that. That's not even like, that's not a big worry or anything. And so I just imagine like, okay, if my daughter came to me, my little daughter, and she said, oh, I like, there's so many dishes and I don't want to do the dishes. And it's really stressing me out that I have this big pile of dishes. What would I tell her? I would probably Mm -hmm. tell her, that's okay. Don't think about the whole pile of dishes. Let's just wash one dish. Wow. You know, like I, I'm so much nicer to her <laughs> than <Yeah>. to myself. <laughs> so that's been a hack that I've been using lately is what would you say to your daughter? That's a good hack. I really like that. Wow. It's effective. That really hit too, just like the fact, like categorizing, like if I was saying it to a younger version of myself mm-hmm. versus saying it to literally a completely different person. There's like, yeah, that's, that's that resonates. Right. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Yeah. Right. 
because that's the thing i feel like uh i wonder if you feel this way uh because I, I think that this is pretty common in people who had in any way turbulent childhoods mm -hmm. that i think all the time about what i would say to a child about very many things mm -hmm. that i am constantly thinking about what advice would i give to a teenager about this difficult thing in your teenage years what would i like how would I talk to a child about uh, drugs and alcohol? What would I say? I, like, I have all of these like pre-planned parenting things going on in my mind, even though I'm not necessarily even sure that I'll have children. Mm -hmm. But they play in my mind all the time because I have this desire to do, um, to, to show up for a kid. Mm -hmm. That's what a, it is. And uh, it's the realizing that like, but you can do that with you. Totally. You can show up for you. And what a great place to start. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel, and I think about this a lot. Like, yeah, that feeling does really resonate with me, especially because I have always wanted, I've always known that I wanted to be a mom. Like, You'd be I've a great always, mom. I think so too. I think be I would great be a mom. fun, like. You'd be a really fun loving mom. Teasing on the way home from carpool or like the acting. Singing along to the radio. You'd be yeah. a sweet mom. You'd Thank be a really you. good mom. Thanks, man. I think so too. And I'm like really pumped about it. And I do have this part of myself that is like, I mean, you know, again, let me say like, I, I have nothing but compassion and respect for the people that raised me and, and my parents. And, and that extends to 100%, you know, the many people involved in, in my life as it was starting, but there are a lot of things that I picked up, especially because my upbringing was so religious and so uh a, a, like at times very separate from what I would consider having compassionate difference mm -hmm. <laughs> um I do have a part of me that's like I really don't I have a fear of bringing kids into the world and and interacting with kids in the way that I'm like will I bring out that old programming like oh will totally that just come oh, out I naturally absolutely have, have that fear as well <laughs> a moment where I'm like I've become this person you know like For sure. and and it's it that that is like it's such good practice in a way and also just like kind of like forcing yourself into that inner child work to actually oh, yeah. like confront those demons to like to be like, okay, we'll do something about it. Like if you're, you know, if you're worried about this representing itself, like actually address those, those, you know, how, you. um, when, uh, you get married in the Catholic church, you have to do like counseling sessions before you get married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. for any listeners who don't know, uh, it's like, you have to do courses where like you talk about money you know, like totally. how's the money going to work? You have to, it's actually kind of a great idea. I think this you is also have to talk about sex. You also have to talk about sex. You, you yeah. have to talk about all these difficult subjects and work out basically like the hard conversations that you absolutely should have before you get married, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Totally. Um, but I think that before you have children, you should have to do some inner child work Totally, because <laughs> that would be hugely beneficial for the way that you parent. And I think that uh, really like very, very few parents in whatever poor example they set of whatever it was that they were a poor example of, mm -hmm. um, would have told you or instructed you to do it the same way in your life. Totally. Right. Totally. Uh, the whole, like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. 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 You know, um, where like, you can tell a kid like, love yourself. You're beautiful. Like, you don't need makeup. And then they see you looking in the mirror and criticizing the way that you look and constantly putting yourself down. And they're going to respond more to the modeling that you're doing with your own behavior than the words that you tell them. Totally. Right. Totally. And so any work that you do on healing yourself is going to benefit a kid if you have one. Totally. Because you're going to be a better model. So yeah. all of these things that I think of like, oh, I would tell a kid to live this way. Like, Anything that I think that I'm like, how would I want this imaginary daughter that I'm using in my self-work? <laughs> yeah, how, how would I want this imaginary daughter to live her life? So things like, I would want her to stand up for herself and express her opinion. Yeah. You know, 
So I should model that Mm -hmm. by standing up for myself and expressing my opinion. And I should work on that now. Totally. And that I should work on that regardless of whether or not this fictional therapy child actually ever becomes an actual child. There is something there too in like in in becoming braver because you would want that daughter to be brave. You would want her to be like strong and brave and courageous and for in facing the world and having that somehow like make you brave in the process. Absolutely. Well, I think that it's um we can sort of conceive of the love that we would feel for our offspring. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just refuse to show ourselves an extreme amount of love. I think that's what it is. It's downright refusal, isn't it? Right? (laughs) We We would tell our offspring to stand up for themselves, to mm-hmm. express their opinions, to love themselves unconditionally, all of this stuff, because we would love them, right? Mm-hmm. So you should be doing all of that stuff for yourself because you love you. Totally. Yeah, that's so true. That is so, oh, Tracy, that's so, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having this podcast, by the way. I don't know <laughs> if anyone's ever thanked you in the process of having the podcast, but like, seriously, that there are these conversations that like, just can go off in so many different directions, but have like little valuable jewels in each part that really do help broaden my understanding of myself and just like encourage my journey of self-care. It's like a very significant thing. That's nice. I, uh, I just like with anything go up and down on how I feel about myself as a host of this podcast all the time. Yeah, true. Yeah. Fair enough. All the time. And particularly in the way that it's consumed, uh, like, uh, this is, uh, like a self-help personal development podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, but I totally get self-conscious all the time of like, I am not a therapist. I do not want people to use this as any kind of substitute yeah, for, for therapy. therapy. You are not yeah. here to get secondhand therapy from me. That is not <laughs> what this is about. Um, <laughs> this is about giving you little tools that you can incorporate yeah into your life to make you better make you stronger, make you love yourself more. Um, and I also try to share resources for how to access therapy as much as possible. Yeah. If you live in Ontario, bounce back Ontario, we'll send you free CBT workbooks and hook you oh, up with a therapist over the phone. What's the other one in Ontario for the, uh, hard feelings, TIRP? no TIRP and the- TIRP, the Toronto yeah. Institute for relational therapy has student therapists and recent graduate therapists who do sessions for super cheap that's so, how so, super so cheap. cheap so, so cheap. cheap that's how I me still see my therapist yeah that's how I found my first therapist that's how yeah. you found your therapist yeah. um and also low-cost therapy Toronto if you're based in Toronto yeah um and there's so many ways that you can access therapy online and remotely as well totally have you ever tried one of like the better helps or like those, like, uh like things? the apps and stuff like that no yeah. I haven't just because I have for the most part been already connected with a therapist I have Mm -hmm. done uh like phone sessions with therapists or Mm -hmm. uh virtual sessions like over FaceTime Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and uh yeah it's totally a way in like if you can't if you can't get yourself to go and see somebody in person or if you're not able to because uh you're currently living during a global pandemic yeah totally I was gonna say especially right now I started better help like closer to the beginning of the pandemic when things Mm -hmm. were getting wild (laughs) and frightening um and there's so many cool features within that too within better help like you can if you don't if you can't do a phone session or a video session or you just don't really feel like that's for you you can do like type sessions where it's like in live mm-hmm. and like you're seeing it it's like literally like msn messenger circa 2005 yeah. like it's excellent um and, and it's I just think, like oh that's such a great thing to have for people because i remember there being so many people who could talk very freely and we're totally willing to have a full conversation with you on MSN, but we're very shy or very closed yeah. off when they were in person. So that's such a beautiful thing to offer people because there are people who will be able to open up so much more that way. Totally. You unfortunately do not get that little bio at the top where you get to like say like who it is that you like and who it is that is you do not like anymore. Like Austin <laughs> is in, Jacob is out. And then put like lyrics to like Evanescence with like a little emoji oh, yeah. that's like or, a melting um, with the all of the like swirly characters and the yeah. weird brackets <laughs> yeah <laughs> Lol, throwback 
What's good too is that you pay with BetterHelp, and I think with some of these other ones, you pay like a an actual subscription, so mm-hmm. you virtually can be in contact with your therapist. You can literally just text your therapist like they're on call twenty four seven because they kind of are. Yeah, like you might not get a response in that moment, but like you you're free completely welcome to do that, which is great for people like right, especially right now, especially when you're like just at the very beginning. I think BetterHelp is a really great thing for people who have never tried in-person therapy mm-hmm. and want to do therapy, but are like nervous about it. They should just try something like BetterHelp because it's so low stakes and like, yes. Anyway, they don't sponsor this podcast. Have, so I'm not going to talk anymore about them. <laughs> yeah. I have conversations with people about therapy all the time. Um, like since starting this podcast, people come to me a lot who have never been to therapy to ask mm-hmm. me questions about it. Yeah. Um, or to share like why they haven't, even though they've kind of wanted to or been curious and stuff. And uh, I would say that the two reasons that I hear more than any are um, expense, uh-huh. which, as I have just said, there are many free resources. There are many low cost resources. You can absolutely find affordable therapy. I know. And I want to say uh, this disclaimer. I know it is more difficult right now. Because during Mm. the pandemic, a lot more people are seeking therapy, which is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But I know that that does mean that a lot of therapists who operate on a sliding scale are at max capacity for sliding scale clients. A lot of these programs, there might be a wait list, things like that. Yeah. Also, though, I want to say if if there is some kind of wait list that you can get on, do that. Yeah. Do that. If you're just going to be doing nothing anyway. Just, just put your name on a waitlist list. and then continue to do yeah. nothing. And then one day you'll yeah. get a call saying you can do it. Um, totally. So if you've been procrastinating it, you keep that, keep that in mind. Maybe think of that as a, another fun way to procrastinate, you know, get your name on a wait list. That's doing basically nothing right now. Um, but it'll Maybe pay check off later. While you're at it if you have ADHD, because also, yeah. <laughs> <apparently. laughs> so yeah, expense. <laughs> That's the number one reason. What was your, what was your point? What were you no, say? I just had a question for you. After. Yeah. What's that? But expense and expense. Sorry, what was the and the other one, um, that they feel too smart for therapy, which, oh, totally. I, which this is not like a, Ooh, these are people who have giant egos or whatever. This no. is extremely common, extremely yeah. common that everybody feels like, uh, no one could possibly understand me better than me. Yeah. Totally. And I don't trust some stranger to know better than I do. I don't trust some stranger to accurately read the things that I'm saying and yeah. like form an opinion that t- tells me something that I don't know. Yeah. And uh, for those people, I want to say that uh, you have misunderstood what therapy looks like. Um, I understand that that seems like what it would look like from seeing it on television, for example, because if they're going to have a scene in a therapist's office in television, it would be the job of the character in the television show that's the therapist to provide information uh, that the character receiving therapy did not have yet. Right. Right. That that serves a narrative function in the story of that television or movie. That's not actually what therapy is like there. It's a therapist's job is not to give you advice. In fact, they are sort of prohibited from giving advice. That's not what you're there for. You're not there for somebody to tell you what to do. Uh, It's actually you who's doing the work. It's just that there's some kind of weird, like, I don't know how to describe this, like alchemy in the room (laughs) when you're in therapy. Um, It's you doing all the work. Mm -hmm. It's, but it's work that you it's work that's done really differently when you're in the room with a therapist. Totally. When you're saying these things out loud to somebody who is trained to listen and to redirect you, like most of the thing, a therapist barely talks in a, in a therapy session. That's not mm-hmm. their job. They will interject with small little things. Like I noticed that you like, you got kind of emotional when you talked about this. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Uh, or like, oh, I noticed that you're doing this again. Tell me more about that. Right. And they'll just observe things and, and point you in little directions and lightly guide you, but it's you doing the work. So if your idea is, I am definitely smarter than any therapist, good, because it's going to be you who's doing the work in there. Totally. The therapist yeah. has just been trained to listen to you. 
boom no excuse go to therapy. no excuses Do go to it. therapy this podcast is not therapy <laughs> we're here to help Once we're, again we're here to help we're happy that you're listening i hope that all of these things are useful and assist you in your work and uh personal journey um but uh yeah everybody should go to therapy because it's great <laughs> so less so it, like even more so that it's Oh my God. I just used so many words, so many connecting words to try and say one <laughs> sentence. ADHD question mark. Um, even more than it's that you're not a therapist. It's that you are therapy's biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just a therapy fan girl. That's the all this with is. The foam finger, like, oh, therapy! for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's me. I'm just a, ther- a big fan. Question for you. Yes. Do you still struggle to come up with an opening line for when you meet your therapist uh no okay Okay. so what do you say what I've started doing is letting go of controlling where a session will go okay I used to sort of think or plan or arrange in my head what I would be talking to my therapist about I think that I wasted, I mean, not wasted. I Once again, I don't believe that any, anything that I've done was ever the wrong thing to do in the grand scheme of things in a self-compassion kind of way. But uh, I think that I used to catch my therapist up on what had happened since the last session. Oh yeah, true. And that that might've unintentionally been a way of me sort of avoiding getting into stuff that uh, then we spend a lot of time work like talking through the little things that happened in that week or stuff like that instead of me going in and and being like uh, let's get into it you know (laughs) (laughs) like I think I was uh always focused more on the present than the past and now I'm trying to go the other direction and focus mostly on the past and I don't bother catching my therapist up on much of what has happened in between maybe a couple of little celebrations of like, hey, I did this thing better, or I finally was able to communicate this thing. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm just co- sort of letting myself float in the current now. Nice. Um, what about you? You plan out? Sorry, I know there's also just so much loud noise coming because I'm like right by the hallway. Okay. Um, like clockwork, <laughs> every time I sit down in front of my computer or when I used to sit down in the office, I would always be like, uh how are you like literally yeah. just like, kind of expecting that we were gonna talk about his week for like <laughs> the first couple minutes because I'm just like it's polite it's literally impolite for me to sit down and just be like so I don't love that this one person called yeah. me fat when I was six you know like it feels so weird to just like launch right into it does feel weird because it's not scary stuff it's not a social interaction Totally. And I think that that's like a huge, a huge, uh, misunderstanding mm-hmm. that also comes with therapy is that like, you're supposed to like, want to be friends with this person. Yeah. This is the, this person is doing a job and, uh, <laughs> you're paying them after all <laughs> and, and what you're paying them for. I, I heard this. Oh, who was it? Who said this? Hillary McBride, uh, who I absolutely oh, no. adore. Uh, she's a therapist. She's the host of the CBC podcast, Other People's Problems. Oh, sweet. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, but what she said is like, what you're paying me for is to have a conversation with someone where you are under no obligation to them. To have a where, conversation with someone where you are under no obligation to them. Interesting. Yeah, it is not, you have to have no filter on how what you're saying is going to affect the person you're talking to, what judgments they're going to make about you, uh, to make sure that it's balanced and that you're checking in with them and that they get to talk too. Right. That's what you're paying for is the service of talking to somebody in this unique way that you will have with no other person in your life. Maybe you dump a lot of stuff on your friends. Maybe stop doing that. Maybe, (laughs) maybe notice that like the way that you talk to your friends is one-sided or that you are having these experiences of like not really considering how this is going to affect them or if they have the emotional capacity to be able to handle what it is that you're handing them you know yeah totally. um whereas what you're paying a therapist for is exactly that it's uh, yeah. a person who you don't have to worry about their side that's their job yeah I think that's a good point like in in 
another reason why people should go to therapy is that like, yeah, your friends are not always equipped to mm-hmm. handle those big things, which is like not a fault of theirs or anyone's. It's just like, there are people who go to school to deal with this, who yeah. like are called to this profession who can pretty much provide you with exactly what you need in that moment to like help your growth. And I do think that when people start going to therapy, they acknowledge like, yeah, that I, there's, I can't get my friends to solve all of my emotional problems. Like, yes. It's just not gonna work. And also you don't want your friend's advice every single time on every single issue. No, you're there. Like your friends are not therapists. They, yeah, not. they are not trained in this. They're going to come at you from their own perspective, which is yeah. fine, you know, but also consider if you're a person who doesn't go to therapy and only leans on your friends, do you pick and choose which friend you come to with what problem? And does that have something to do with your expected reaction uh, of theirs? Do you go to the friend who's going to give you tough love when you want to be told that? But then when you don't feel, when you want somebody to agree with you, do you go to another friend who you know will agree with you? The job of a therapist is to be all of those people and none of those people at once. Totally. Yeah. And I think like that really kind of, that's a great way of condensing the fact that like, you know, this person is not your friend, like labeling this person as your friend is not correct, Mm -mm. but you will feel a lot of the pleasant experiences that you would with a friend and just like understanding being feeling supported, feeling supported, like, you know, just being able to like clear the pipes emotionally with someone that but that's a really important distinction they are all of those people and none of those people at the same time exactly wow. that is so true we are very tragically coming to the end of our time oh my god i thought i feel like we were just 15 minutes went by i know i think we were just hyper focused joss dude <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna play this back and it's gonna be like the audio is gonna be like <laughs> i'm just gonna have to like turn it down to yeah. like 0.4 speed yeah, I'll get Matt to do some adjusting. <laughs> oh, Tracy, I am. Thank you so much for having me on this. This is. Thank you I'm for doing so it. So happy to be here, and I as, as again know, love this podcast. We end by me giving the guest a genuine compliment. <gasps> Hit me with that genuine compliment. Oh, am I gonna cry? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh, Joss, Joss, you are one of my most treasured friends. Um, you are what I would describe as like a soulmate friend. You are a friend that I feel so connected to that no amount of physical distance or time between us uh, has any effect in separating us at all. Uh, I will love you for the rest of my life. You are a beautiful, beautiful person, kind and generous and loving and supportive and I, you moved away and I miss you <laughs> all the time, all the time. Ah, God. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you and the work and the growth that you've done with yourself and the fact that you are embracing your talents and chasing after the things that you want and putting yourself first in a way in recent years that I think is new to you and different and so scary, probably, I would imagine. And uh, you're kicking ass. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy to see you making good choices for yourself and uh, learning to love yourself more because you are one of the most lovable people I have ever known. You're so good and have been such a good friend to me. And uh, have supported me and been there for me in some of the most difficult times in my life. And I adore you and I treasure you always. Oh, Tej, I love you so much. That hit me with your car. <laughs> <laughs> for those listeners who do not know, uh, Tracy and I became friends because I had moved to Toronto and like within the first couple months of living there, I went to a comedy show with my friend, Susan to 120 Tyner's Danger Zone through show, <laughs> throwback to that show that was my favorite show run by Bobby Homer. And I miss that show. I miss that show so much. I miss their dynamic. I love those guys. I miss that uh, But you were on it. You were headlining and I had never done comedy before and I just saw you after. I just saw you doing your thing and I just saw how like, you know, 
it was just so exciting to see you just completely have the audience at the palm of your hand with like that joke with like oh I sprained my wrist because I threw out trash wrong (laughs) I loved it and then I ran up to you after and I was like can I be your friend? Can I take you out for coffee? And just that it grew into this friendship and, and like into this we beautiful have friendship, the complexity of the depth of female friendships. Like I really do feel like I learned so much about that. Love it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like a special thing about our friendship and something that I have uh, tried to remind myself of mm-hmm. in creating new friendships and things like that is that what happens so often with uh, people like us who are like empaths, caregivers, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit codependent sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what ends up happening? Could this be codependence? Right? That we're <laughs> givers, so we end up with takers. Yeah, totally. Because that completes the dynamic and it's no good for us. And so you and I are two caretakers who take turns taking care of each other in a, in a balanced and healthy way that I think has been good for both of us to see that there should be some kind of like mutuality in friendship and that it shouldn't just be one person giving and one person taking Mm -hmm. that you and I, I feel like are very good about recognizing each other's boundaries, Mm -hmm. not burdening the other person when they don't have the capacity right? Like we check in with each other before we talk about heavy shit. Totally. Right. Totally. To be like, yeah. Hey, are you cool to talk about this today or not? And yeah, the other person system. and the other person is allowed to be like, I cannot be slime today. I, yeah. I don't have the room and we take no offense. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's just a beautiful thing. And I'm I love, so grateful I love for you that. and thank you for being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh and such a mistake that poor editing person gets okay. such a loud shock it's uh, okay i love you so much and love thank you. you so much for having me on and i just cannot wait for this fucking mess to be over so i can squeeze your little face and i'm gonna squeeze the life out of you joss <laughs> you don't know the hug that is coming your way you literally have not felt a squeeze so tight it and might be the end of your ribcage it might be and listeners go be nice to yourself uh and remember that love is everywhere love is everywhere everywhere everywhere